All right, what's happening, everyone? Welcome into another episode of the Final Score Podcast. Appreciate everyone uh, checking us out. Greg Swatak here with you, uh, joined by my colleagues in studio for our uh, traditional opening segment, Alexander Dacey and John Cannon. And on this week's episode uh, coming up, we will uh, chat with Katakin High wrestling coach Rick Reeder. Uh, has a small but 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 talented team. Uh, the Cougars, uh, the, the wrestlers they put on the mat, they they, they typically win, and, and and they're a tough team uh, to deal with. Um, and so we'll talk to Coach Reader about his team and his extensive uh, uh, background in Frederick County sports, both as a player and a coach. So looking forward to having uh, Coach Reader on in a few minutes, but. Uh, Interesting week here, guys. Um, uh, we had some snow uh, uh, wipe out uh, Monday's schedule. I, I, I was worried um, that it was going to wipe out a couple of days, but but it only uh, uh, affected, um, was, it, was it Monday and? Monday and Tuesday, Tuesday and now right. again on Friday. <laughs> and now we have some more coming uh, Friday. So it was, it was yeah. Monday and Tuesday. This week mm-hmm. has sort of been a blur, so I'm just trying to remember all of it. And yes, we have more uh, snow coming uh, f- Friday, uh, w- which will wipe out uh, uh, the Friday schedule. And we'll see about uh, this weekend with county track and, and, and stuff like that. But uh, an interesting week nonetheless. Uh, Alexander, you had a little drama uh, once again with a uh, buzzer beater. Uh, what is it with you and buzzer beaters? I mean, you've seen a few of them, uh, including a girls one that that uh, drove a stake through the heart of the Urbana girls. I I, I know last year, but this one, uh, another rivalry game. Uh, Catoctin beats uh, Brunswick on a buzzer beater by Ben Kraus that uh, sort of hit every part of the basket. It seemed uh, backboard, rim, and and it dropped through. Yeah, I, uh, the Brunswick coach, Larry Brown, told me he compared the shot afterwards, or at least the, the sort of moment, uh, to when uh, Kawhi Leonard hit that crazy winner uh, to beat the Sixers back in, I think it was 2019, when it bounced off the rim like four times and then fell through. I mean, it wasn't quite that dramatic, but yeah, I mean, Kraus hits the lane, it's a 60 to 60 game and he just sort of you know chucks up a chucks up a floater yeah you're right hits the backboard hits the front of the rim looks like I, at first I thought it was a little strong so it was going to come off but then it sort of just popped in the air came back down hung literally hung, like stopped on the rim for about a half a second then fell through and did, 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 a, gust, sounded, did a gust of wind blow through I, the I don't gym know or? maybe <laughs> I mean you, you've been to the Brunswick gym <laughs> like Caddyshack or something <laughs> yeah, I mean you've been to the Brunswick gym you know how close it is to the uh to the outside environs there it's kind of it, it's a little more it feels at least every time in there always feels like it's a little more separate from the uh, from the main building well but, when, when the ball was yeah. on the rim was it like a can you you could hear a pin drop moment like everyone was like hanging uh on, on whether just whether or not it was going to drop through not or? quite i mean there was there was definitely some cheering and i guess they could talk to people were you know sort of trying to i guess will it by force of shouting <laughs> through the through the hoop i mean i think it was one of those things they said where you know it was it was nerve-wracking but also the way they saw it, like stop on the rim, that's not you know the kind of where it stopped. It's it was not really physically possible for it to roll backwards. Um, so so you thought it was going to so so uh, so at first well when I first he first put it up I thought it was going to miss because it was strong. But then when it settled on the rim, I was like, okay, there's kind of no like I said, there's no real way for it to go backwards from here. So. So it just took a half a second, but then it, f- it fell through. And what was the general reaction? Uh, elation from the Catoctin bench and and people on the court. And because the the shot, it, 
I guess it, it was technically a buzzer beater, even though when it fell through, there was like, I think, 0.5 seconds left on the clock. But, you know, by the time it fell through, there was like, you know, Brunswick couldn't couldn't get uh, any close 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 enough to being a buzzer beater. Yeah, so. close enough. So and, that it was effectively a buzzer and, beater. And this was payback because in this was it the same gym last year where Brunswick beat Catoctin on a buzzer yeah, beater? Yeah, so Brunswick beat Catoctin on a buzzer beater last year, also by two points. And uh defending on that play was Ben was none other than Ben Krauss who hit the winner uh Wednesday night. So he told me he didn't even put two and two together with that till, you know, sort of right right as I was talking to him on a uh, a few minutes after the game, like kind of when he hit it, it was just, you know, one of those, you know, obviously things that happens and, and, and it's, you know, they're, they're super happy celebrating, but then it's once he, I guess, took a sec to reflect, he was like, Oh yeah, I guess that happened to me against, you know, against me specifically last year. So, so now, so now Ben Krause holds a very prominent place in the history of, uh, Catoctin <laughs> um, Brunswick basketball. Catoctin at Brunswick specifically uh, uh, <laughs> specifically right. at Brunswick right back to back buzzer beaters that, that that he was involved with so um so so, so that so that was a a, a big development there uh, for Catoctin uh I, I really felt we put the the kibosh again on the Frederick High boys uh, yeah. who lost a third straight game uh, to the St. Maria Goretti who we were joking about the school closing last week and uh and Frederick uh, drops drops a game to them. It's a private school, so so it's not totally mm-hmm. uh, uh, not totally shocking or surprising. Uh, but then they the cadets they snapped the the losing mm-hmm. streak um, on uh, it was Thursday night against Ligonor. Uh, looked like a pretty stout defensive effort. Uh, only, only gave up thirty one points to Ligonor, and, and Ligonor's got some players. So, and, so that that is a real and, good defense. I was effort. saying, I I just saw the other night Ligonor put up seventy four on Middletown, uh, and and they lost Middle Middletown. You know, squeaked it out in the end by three. But I mean, very few teams can sort of run with the at least the way Middletown plays. Very few teams can sort of match their pace offensively. And I mean, Ligonor did it pretty much the entire night. And but yeah, I mean, Frederick called him to thirty one and. I think it was 53-31, so it wasn't even one of their better offensive days, but they just their defense was lights out. So that Middletown Frederick game is gaining intrigue by it, by the day here. It is, and un- again, I said unfortunately or unfortunately, depending on your perspective, they don't play till the very last game of the season. So it's you know, it, I, I, it, that's almost one I feel like I, I'd want to see where. The, I mean, I really I want to see them play twice. I want to see them play now and. And they, and, and, they, and they won't play in the CMC because the because the the new division set. Yes, up and stuff like, like that. So. I know, like we were talking about last week. I think it's uh, right now the, the the tentative matchup is Frederick North Hagerstown, and then was it like Middletown Smithsburg Smithsburg? I think who, Smithsburg so. apparently uh, picked up at least a couple of the Goretti guys who left who, who kind of fled the program, uh, you know, because of the school closing. Yeah. So I heard anyway. Uh, so, so Frederick, uh, were, were we alarmed that they only scored fifty three, or are they? Uh, I mean, fifty three is not a huge. I, out, I, I'm not going to put. Output. I mean, I'm not going to put a ton of stock into that because I mean, every team kind of has a you know shoe nights that aren't as great. I would, you know, I, I think the thing I would really more take away from this Lingor win is just the, just the defense. Yeah, you know, yeah, sort th- of thirty one points that, yeah. that, that against against the Lingor team that again could could score. Um, that, that, that is a pretty impressive effort. Uh, John, on the girls' side, uh, you, you saw Frederick and Ligonor play uh, Thursday night, and mm-hmm. uh, which was a, a marquee county game, and mm-hmm. uh, and Frederick with their young team and their young players, they came through. Uh, yeah, and also their senior Sydney Husky and um, Aubrey Murray, but they do have a lot of young players that they're using as well, and 
Uh, they, they have swept Langenore now, and they, they won handily um, against Langenore. Their defense just really kept Langenore from getting into any sort of flow or anything like that. And uh, I saw Langenore. I've only seen two games in the past week. I've only seen two games in 2024, <laughs> and Langenore was both of them. You're, you're off to a slow start in <laughs> yeah, the new year, yeah. John. So I saw Langenore against Middletown uh, before they played Frederick. And Langenore's a good team, and so is Middletown. Um, I, I guess we've talked about them a little bit, but being 2A, they're – I think they, they could really go far in the playoffs. Um, and they've got some nice players. Uh, Tal- Talia Jenkins is one of the best players in the county. She's only a sophomore, and Chris Kivos is coaching there now. And he's, he's a good coach, obviously. Yeah, so. absolutely. And I mean, Kara was a good too. That was there. Um, in, however many years uh, she was Karen there. Nelson, right? Karen yeah. Nelson too. But Chris, you know, he's he's just kind of you know, hit the ground running there, and they're gonna they're gonna be tough. Um, I, I, when you were talking about that shot, I like to reminisce. Yeah. And I remember you, you reminded me of a game I covered back, Linganore girls game back when Brian Matthews, the late Brian Matthews, was coaching there. And um, they were playing some Howard County team, and it was down to the wire mm-hmm. in the last couple seconds. And the girl from Howard County, I think, took a shot, and it was like hitting the rim, and it was like bouncing, bouncing. If it went in, they would have lost. And this is back when Rob Havenstein was still going to Linganore, and he was at the game. So after the game, Brian Matthews, the Linganore coach, comes to me, and I asked him about that shot, you know, because it went, out, it spun out, and Linganore won. He said, "Yeah." He said, "Rob Havenstein, who's of course a very large guy, kind of got up in the stands and kind of, you know, jumped around a little bit and rotated the earth a little bit, and made that shot come out." <laughs> yeah. And he points, Matthews points at me and says, "That better be quote of the week." Exactly. That sounds exactly like something that Brian Matthews would say. So you remember. Uh, so, so, so I, I think yeah, Rob probably jumped and and yes. it, it affected the trajectory of the ball. So how many buzzer? So we have the Urbana one last year. Uh, we have, we the, have this the, one. the two the two two against the Urbana girls last year. Um, I mean, you haven't even been here that long for this. No, many, for this, I, many, for this I, many buzzer beaters. I'm definitely not good luck for the Urbana girls. I don't think I think I've seen them combined last year and this year. I think I've seen them three or four times. I think they've lost every game and some of them and like I said, two of them in very hard. No wonder why your picture no wonder why so. your pictures around the the Urbana gymnasium. Yeah. So um but, but, what two buzzer beaters? Is that, uh, the is, other one was the crazy one in the playoff game where where their their uh the Severna Park center hit a forty footer, like nothing like a nothing but net forty footer from the center. Yeah. <laughs> just so, uh, just one of those things where it's like, okay, sure, why not? You know. Might as might as well happen. <laughs> uh, so if, so if you show up, we're gonna we're gonna see a pretty crazy finish, probably. Uh, <laughs> in, 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 in general, so um, so what else, guys? We have county track on Saturday, weather permitting. Uh, swimming uh, county championships will be uh, coming up. Uh, wrestling, uh, uh, we'll be getting into the into the dual uh, playoffs before long. So. Um, Season's moving by uh, 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 pretty quickly so far. Yeah, this is definitely – I mean, maybe it's because I'm more used to it now, but it definitely feels faster than last year. Um, I think maybe also having this week where, like, two-thirds of the stuff gets canceled, that probably also speeds things along. Right. Uh, anything yeah. else of note? I, Alexander, I know you're trying to get a uh, club hockey game in yeah, on Friday. Yeah, weather, weather, weather permitting. Weather permitting, uh, Urbana and Oakdale play for the second time uh, Friday, and they're once again – far and away the two best uh, teams in the Monoxy Valley League. Uh, and uh, Oakdale's undefeated. They already beat Urbana 1-0 back in November. Um, and so they would they play again, uh, again, weather permitting Friday. And if so, I, very likely they'll be the they'll be the ones competing for the, the championship in some point in February. But, you know, I guess upsets do happen, but it seems very unlikely. You know, for that to for that to happen. Now, do you figure skate? I, think, I believe your sister figures. My, yeah, my sister right. wasn't. My sister was a competitive figure skater for a very long time. I don't. I've 
I'm not very good on the ice. Um, okay. I like watching ice sports, figure skating, and hockey, but I don't. Uh, I don't. Because I was gonna say, if you can't drive to the game, maybe you could strap on. Oh, that and, would and, that would and, actually and probably skate, go skate, worse. Skate, skate to the game. <laughs> would, would you get to the game faster driving or skating? Oh, I well, I can definitely say driving because I would not be falling over every, you know, two seconds. Um, even if my car slipping and sliding all all across the road. <laughs> How did your sister get all the figure skating genes in the family? Um, I mean, I think part of it was was through my mom because my mom, you know, would not not competitively or anything, but she liked figure skating growing up. And you know, once a year we would usually go. And I don't know, at some point I think she decided she really liked it. And she's, I mean, she's she's good. Um, you know, she's she never got to any like super high competitive level, and she didn't really want to. Um, but she's she knows uh, the 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 rink the rink that this area has a. For its size, it has a really like high level of of figure skating talent um, and figure skaters that go on to be on like the national team and the Olympic team and stuff. So she knows and is friends with some of the some of the people who you know who are on the national team. Be in the, but they're they're from this area. But you know she never she never got there, and I don't think she, she never really wanted to. But she is uh, what they call a, a uh, the U.S. figure skating calls a gold medalist uh, because she reached like the highest level of. Um, of like testing that, that you can do. So but, but, she's, she is, she's a very good figure skater. <laughs> uh, but but yeah. why aren't you good? You just never get, you, I don't know. You, you never, I was, never wanted I, I to be was good the or? guy. Yeah. I was just the guy that whenever we'd go, I'd be the guy hugging the, hugging the boards, like sort of, you know, pulling myself along on the boards. Um, did you not Which, like figure skating or not care for it too much? Because eh, yeah. I, I feel if like you wanted to be good, you could, and, and, you, yeah, and, and I mean, this talent exists in your I, family, like you could be good. I, I think it was that. I also this is probably like the lame cop out answer, but I think when I was younger, I really didn't like the fact that you'd have to fall and could you know crash to the ice at high speeds. Yeah, true. Um, my sister has no problem with that, as you can probably imagine. Having yeah. figure skated for so long, but, right? Yeah, she, yeah um, she, I mean, she she's she's always says, you know, like it's something to the effect of like, you know, if you're not falling, you're not doing it right. Um, and that's probably part of what turned me off. I'm not gonna lie. John, did you ever skate uh, roller skate? Uh, roller no, blade? I, 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 I skated. I, skated. Yeah. I, I did once. Uh, it, it was it was good. My ankles were very weak, so I was like, you know, it wasn't. I wasn't going to be a gold medalist or anything like that. So yeah. I gave it up after one try. <laughs> I always wanted to drive a Zamboni. Any, do you ever drive a Zamboni? Uh, no, I, I never have. Um, That's like one of my goals yeah. in life, man. I got to go over there one time to the Frederick, whatever they call it, and just see if I can hop on there and take it for a spin. You might you might need a license or uh, take take a course of some yeah. sort. So they, they, they might they might put you on skates before they <laughs> before they put you behind a Zamboni, John. So yeah, we'll see. But but you hung up the skates after after, after one, one try after there. One. All right, so. All right, guys, we're spitballing here. So uh, when we come back, uh, Rick Reeder, uh, great guy and, and the coach of the Catoctin High uh, wrestling team will be with us. So look forward to chatting with him. A uh, lot to talk about with him, uh, including some what I feel will be some very interesting subject matter. So uh, stay tuned here on The Final Score. We're back here on the final score. Uh, joined now by the uh, head coach of the Catoctin High Wrestling Team, Rick Reeder. Thanks for coming in, sir. Pleasure to have you on. Hey, thanks for inviting me here. Yeah, I mean, uh, you have a very interesting background uh, in, in, <laughs> in sports and coaching, and we're going to get into all that. But first, I want to talk to you about your team. Uh, you guys are a 
small and mighty bunch at Ikatokton, as you, as you have been for a few years now. Uh, how many, well, less than 30 kids on, total on the roster, right? Oh, uh, yeah. We're, we have 23 on the roster. Uh, we have four ineligible wrestlers, but hopefully they'll be eligible by this week. Um, and, and you have a, a talented one, Hunter Bradshaw, who's injured right now. Yeah, right now, Hunter Bradshaw you know, did something uh, to his elbow a couple weeks ago, but he's in a cast, but he should be out by the end of the week, and then they'll have a good idea um what what his time frame is to be back yeah and and how are you sort of handle him because you got to be careful with the arm going going forward well of course yeah we want him to be smart um we we do not want him to just jump out on the mat and re-injure himself um you know he 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 actually injured himself against vince corso um which is uh number one ranked uh frederick county wrestler at 165 and actually it was a heck of a battle at the um seneca valley duels and it ended up being a four to two uh, match, and it it was just a really good match. And we we still can't figure out when the injury happened, but it was enough for him to sit out. And Hunter Bradshaw is probably one of the toughest um, athletes we have on our team, and for him to be injured to sit out, that was kind of hard for him. Um, but he ended up wrestling uh, three more matches that weekend <laughs> or that Friday before the snow. Um, you know, because we couldn't go on that Saturday, but uh, he ended up wrestling three more matches and was just fine. But of course, he went and got his elbow looked at, and they saw some issues. So, well, what was he feeling discomfort? Like how how did, how were, did you even become aware of the pain? If if he's not a kid that's going to complain about it, um, he well, believe me, he he would not ever tell me that he's not going to wrestle the next match, and that's what he came up to me and said, "I can't wrestle the next match." Holy and, cow! Were, yeah. were, were, you, were you shocked? Uh, yeah, I looked at him like, um, "Are you okay?" I t- are, I took, are you Hunter Bradshaw? Yeah, right, I, yeah, I took his temperature and I was like, "Are you all right?" And he, <laughs> he's like, "Yeah." I just, he goes, "I'm I'm just hurting." I'm like. You know, Hunter, I was like, I'm not going to do anything to jeopardize um, your wrestling uh, career right now. So just, you know, take your time. I said, hey, take a couple weeks off. And then, of course, he, you know, got his arm looked at. And that, he's still on a cast. But he should be fine. Well, hopefully we'll see him soon. But, uh, yeah, that that is, you know, hurts having him on the sidelines. But we have a lot of um, tough uh, juniors right now. We have uh, another senior that's wrestling pretty tough for us. But we have a... Decent little uh, freshman group and uh, sophomore group that we have now that hopefully we can get them into the uh, right direction with the way we have our culture set up in our room. So Right. Uh, what are the challenges of coaching such a small team? I mean, you go into every match and you you know you're going to forfeit some matches, so you're sort of behind the eight ball right away, and it's, it's tough to overcome that. Uh, the challenges are, you know, for any any coach or any anyone that all they know is winning – I mean, the hard part is knowing that you got to walk in, you have to forfeit at least um, four, possibly five matches. And it is uh, gut wrenching when you have to sit there and lay, oh my goodness, I got to forfeit, forfeit, forfeit. And then we end up staying tight with all these matches. I mean, some matches we've lost by four. Um, we actually lost a tiebreaker. Um, and this is also forfeiting all these matches. So we are staying tight with a lot of um, good teams. It's just. Yeah, we fall uh, short. Yeah. Uh, to, to put it into context, you guys are basically starting every match in like a twenty-four to thirty-point hole. It's, it's a, like it's like twenty-four nothing before the match even starts. It's a crazy handicap. So I mean, we're just trying to find our way out of the hole. And by the time we get there, I'm like, oh, we're tied up. And I'm like, oh, all right. Right. Now we got to forfeit some matches. So. But how much pride do you guys take in that you're you're able to keep these matches close and you're and you're able to if you lose, it's only by by a couple of points. Um culture in the room is you know we're just going to work hard no matter what the situation is um we we would love to get a team win 
Um, but we also got to keep our heads up, and we can't look at that as a negative. I mean, there's, it's, not the, it's not the student-athlete's fault that we are forfeiting these matches. I mean, I love to get recruiting, more recruiting out there, but, you know, with dealing with a, sm- a small school size that, you know, basically the whole school population, they are in sports. If they're not in basketball right now, they're in track, um, or they're doing some other activity that is keeping them, f- or do, you know, anything that's in the school that they're doing at this point, um, to keep them af- um, athletically in, into whatever they need to go into the next season to stay in shape. Right. Um, as in, like spring, with mostly you know, Catoctin's big in baseball. Um, you know, of course, football's picking back up. You know, they're, they're Tra- track and field yeah, under tra- Coach Lillard. Oh, yeah, is taking off. Track yeah. and field is huge. They are consistently. Um, working day in and day out. Every time I'm in, I'm in that school. Of course, I'm not in the school full time, but when I'm in the school, you know, that track and field is definitely they're, working they're, hard. They're run, run, running the halls in the wintertime and stuff. Halls, like that, so, jumping, yeah. uh, plyometrics. I mean, I see everything you could think of in there. I'm like, he, they're really getting it in. But it, it, it's hard to pull um, hard, um, hard nosed athletes out of that school. And now, if I had a bigger population, it, it might be a little bit easier. But I, I mean. I guess some people that do have that, you know, uh, larger population, it sometimes it's not that easy. But you know, the culture in the room is that we're going to work hard no matter what. We're going to be tough walking down the mat. We're going to go out there and go against the toughest teams out there and still not give up. So. Right. People think typically think of wrestlers as being boys, but do you have, do you have some girls? But that's changing, obviously. Do you have some girls on your team? Uh, we only have one female on our team. <laughs> okay. Jeannie Ann Smith. I mean, last year we had Emma um, Emma. Dog About, Taylor, yeah, Emma yeah, Taylor, right? And she, she did great oh, at states, yeah. Three years in a row, she uh, took fourth, um, and I was very, you know, pleased with her. Last year, I think she should have been in the top two, um, but you know, it, it, women's wrestling is becoming a hot thing now. And in, uh, we started recruiting in the school this year. Um, we had at least seven females that were actually very interested. Um, but I think the families really, and when I say families, more dads than anything, need to understand the sport a little bit better. It's not, we're not trying to get them to you know, wrestle up against um, other guys unless they really want to. Right. Um, but the, the female wrestlers have their own division. If they, if they choose to wrestle, they can wrestle co-ed or just female. And then you have counties this year will have a female tournament this year for, for the girls in, in Frederick County. And then... That will carry over into regionals, and the regionals is just straight all girls, and then the same goes for states. So the, the, the girl uh, wrestling community is actually blowing up huge in Maryland. Um, well, why, why do you think that is? That I can't answer. Um, I, you know, when I came into the sport uh, three years ago, as in coaching, uh, of course, when I wrestled, there, there was maybe a few that I saw throughout the state that wrestled, and it was always co-ed. Um, but when I walked into it a couple, three years ago, I was very new to, the, you know, the whole female wrestling aspect. I had to actually talk to my AD. I was like, how do you coach a female wrestler? Because we cannot be hands-on. So in, most coaches are hands-on with all the wrestlers, but you cannot be hands-on with female wrestlers. So you got to try to find other female coaches. But I ended up adapting and, and understanding how that would all work. Um, but working with Emma past couple years, you know, was, was awesome. And, you know, Jeannie, she's trying to find her way in wrestling. Um, but I'd like to get more female wrestlers out there just because the opportunities for them are huge. Um, the guys, of course, they, they've been wrestling since they were four or, or five. 
girls are picking this up. Well, I'm, I'm starting to see in uh, like the youth room, our CYA room, uh, the, um, the Catoctin Youth Association, they're starting to have a good many um, female wrestlers in there. So hopefully they'll come up through high school and want to wrestle. Um, but you don't, you didn't see that there for a while. Yeah, I mean, yeah. at a small school like you, you're not. The wrestling team isn't limiting itself to half the population of a small school already and it helps make your job easier to help fill out the team yes um you guys wrestled uh, thomas johnson on wednesday night you had a a nice win over thomas johnson the nice 12 point win and i was talking to coach uh holsey uh, rob holsey over uh, thomas johnson after the match and i was wondering because he was talking about some of his uh girls that are wrestling uh, do, you, do you think the stigma of boys wrestling girls, the co-ed aspect of it, do you think that has lessened a bit with, with more girls wrestling? Or is it still like a big deal when a boy wrestles a girl? Um, it, it all comes down to mindsets. I don't think it's a big deal, but um, most of these um, female wrestlers want to wrestle other females. I mean, yeah. it, but that's why it's starting to grow. I mean, look at Tuscarora. They had, what, I saw 16 girls on a roster. I mean... Uh, some of these other schools that I've I've noticed have a lot of girls on their rosters as well, but it, you know it, it's just a matter of getting them matches, and we're we're just we're all trying to do our best to make that happen. But for a lot of these girls, they just don't want to wrestle other guys. Um, yeah. They just they they it, their comfort zone. It's it's a comfort zone um, area. It's same with practice, but they don't really don't want to practice against other guys. They want to practice against other females. Now again, Emma Taylor was a different person that that we had on the team, she did not care. She wanted to wrestle other guys because she wanted to get better. Right. Um, but she also had a switch in her head when she wrestled a guy. She wrestled not her own her own style. But when she wrestled another girl, she was in a totally different world. So right. it, it is a different mindset. It is kind of it is intimidating for some. I'm not saying for all because last year in Maryland, there was a female from, I believe, South River, that took third in the state, third or fourth in the state, I believe. I cannot say, don't don't quote me on that, but third or fourth in the state of Maryland in co-ed wrestling. And she dominated. And I watched her. I was like, she was amazing. Um, but it all comes down to the mindset and what these uh what the what every female would like to do on the mat. If they want to go co ed, go for it. If they do, they don't, you know, they have the all female matches. So but 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 the guys don't really want to wrestle the girls either, right? Um I, I can't answer that question because right. I mean yeah. I know right. when I yeah. wrestled it was always against uh, guys, but I know, yeah. I, but I, I really can't say you know they they do not want to. Um, not saying that they're not comfortable, but I know a lot of times when some of these guys want, well, when they do get a match against a girl, they may think it's going to be easy, but sometimes there's girls. That, that, give that's them, what I mean. Yeah, because I, I've seen some guys th- th- this season. I've seen guys wrestling girls, and and the guy is on his back. Yes, I, I, I've seen that this season. Yeah, and they just automatically say, "Oh, it's an easy win," and then I'm going to say, "No, she's going to give you a fight." And I was like, "I don't care what you th- what you think." She's wrestling you for a reason. She wants to put you on your back. So right. yes, I mean we—that's the only thing I can think of. But I usually can't answer that question <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well right. on that one. So right. Um, this is year three for you, at Katakin, yes. as, the, as the head coach. Yes. Um, do you think your team would look different if you were in the school? I mean, I know you love your job and, and you have a great job and stuff. Um, and, and and you took the job because you you wanted to coach wrestling. It was an opportunity for you. Do you if you were in the school, do you think? You'd have more kids. I believe I would. Um, yeah. You know, this year when uh, Coach uh, Mike McIlvain and Craig Short, uh, my two other uh, coaches, uh, we we recruited pretty hard in uh, October going into November. Uh, beginning of October we started. Um, we were in the school at least uh, two, 
two times a week in the cafeteria just talking to people, and that's where we, we were recruiting our females as well. Um, but we started talking to a lot of uh, the younger um, athletes and talked them into coming out, and that's why our roster grew um, 10 more wrestlers this year compared to last year when we had thir- 11 to 13 wrestlers. It, it, it doesn't so. seem like a lot, 10, but, but that for a school your size, that, that, that's, a, that's a huge increase. Correct. And the year before, when my first year, I think we were right at that 10-11 mark, and it was just hard. Um but you, you have to adapt to it on that part. But you, you can't sit there and just say what if or sit there and complain. You just got to go with what you have. But um, if I was in the school full time, yes, uh, I believe it would be a little bit different atmosphere. Um, I could create more relationships with other athletes other than just wrestlers or football players or, or baseball players because those are my the three sports that I always um, lean towards. But I can – you know, develop other relationships with um, track and field um, um, people as well. Um, you know, basketball players, swimmers, anyone that's playing any kind of sports, uh, especially uh, soccer. I have a new some soccer players this year, which I never had before. But you know, just developing different relationships. And every athlete that I've worked with at um, you know in the Thurmont area have all been great um, student athletes, intelligent. Um, I mean, great families to work with um, because I've worked on all different levels, high school to youth level. And I I can't say anything negative about work, you know, working in Thurmont. Right. Uh, What what attracted you to the job? Um, Well, (laughs) long story short, I was at a um, a baseball game over the summer. Um, Tim Caslow, which is... um, Big in the baseball in that area with uh, Peyton and Keaton Caslow and also um, Brewer Caslow. They were um, all really good baseball players in that area. I believe two of them are at Wilson College now. Uh, Keaton's still in high school. And I tried to get him to come back out to wrestling, but he decided (laughs) not to. Um, But, uh, you know, of course, the Caslows were big in wrestling at that point. And uh, Tim came up to me and said, hey, there's a coaching vacancy. And, of course, I was there with – Corey Bell as well, which is Jake and Jake Bell's dad, yeah, um, and Brayden Bell. Yeah, yep. right. and there's and here's the thing: I'm getting um, Brody Bell next year as a freshman. So there's an eighth grader that's. So I'm always gonna have a Bell on the team for a while. Um, but I went up to Corey Bell and I was gonna say, "Hey, are you interested?" Because he was in charge of CYA um, wrestling, and and then of course Tim comes over, and, and then Corey and Tim hit me up, and they're like, "Well, we want you to coach." I'm like, "Oh my goodness!" I was like, "I came over here to see if you were going to coach." And then I got the number um, for um, the uh, Keith, uh, the AD, uh, at Keith, Catoc- Keith yeah. Brock, right? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> at uh, at Catoctin High School, and uh, gave him a call, and we met, and. It was all downhill from there, so uh, you know it, it was. Inter- it's a huge time commitment, though, and you, and, and you knew what you were you knew what you were walking into with, with the numbers too. I mean, you knew it was it was, it was probably going to be a small team. Um, I had a feeling, um, but I didn't realize how small it was going to be. I was because I came from a wrestling background at Frederick High in the '90s, where we won state titles, um, uh, dual meet titles, and a lot of individuals on our team won a lot of state um, championships as well. But I'm used to seeing at least 30, 40 in a room. And when I come to, you know, a smaller school, I'm thinking, hey, maybe we'll get about 15 or 20. Well, I was wrong. Uh, it's like it, five, five to 10. Yeah, it, yeah. It, was, it, was, it was small. And then, you know, we have one of the largest um, practice rooms in the county because everyone that comes to our school is like, 
oh my goodness, your room is huge. And I was like, hmm? I mean, I'm not, I don't know. I, I have not been to everyone else's room, but um, it, it has been, a, a you know, that part of a challenge, but I, I knew what I was getting myself into uh, just knowing the school uh, for a little bit um, from my past. And then, uh, but, you know, it, it, I enjoy, I enjoy um, coaching there. I enjoy it. What do you, what do you enjoy the most about it? Um, you know, like I said, the, 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 the kids, student athletes are, are great to work with. Um, teachers actually are the best when it comes to wanting to, you know, get the kids to improve. I, I never have a teacher that whenever I have an issue with um, someone's grades, there's not one teacher that won't sit there and say, I'm not going to help. I'm going to do my best to help them no matter what the situation is. They're going to make sure they're giving 110% to help out a, a student because I'll be like, I'm, I got a student that's sitting there that's got a bad grade. What can I do to get him to get better or her? And they're like, hey, send me your email. I'll send you what I know. And then I'll, I'll let you and help you out with and help these kids out to get their grades. So up. you, so you get a plan in place to, to, to fix the situation. Yes. Um, so of course, a lot of these kids will go to after school tutoring. Um, I have no issue with that because we start at three. A lot of times tutoring is over at three fifteen, three twenty. A lot of teachers are like, are you okay? I was like, Hey, education comes first. Wrestling comes second. I mean, uh, some coaches may look at that differently, but one, uh, education is going to take you a little bit further unless someone's going to make this into a career. And, um, you know, I, I didn't know how it is in today's world. You better have an education before you step out in there. So I'm all about making sure these kids succeed. So Right. Yeah. Um, what do you require as a coach? Because like we pointed out, your, your kids are always so tough. And by and large, the matches you wrestle, uh, you, you win those matches. Just <clears throat> to, to wrestle for you, well, well, what does that require? <laughs> so... No matter what, when you walk on that mat, you have to handle your own. It's no different than handling yourself in life. You have to, you know, life is going to hit you when you step out in that real world. You got to be ready for it. And I've been in those situations where, you know, you you step out into the real world, it hits you pretty hard, and you got to be prepared. So, whenever I, I have these uh, young athletes hit the hit the mat, I want them to understand that they're going to get punched in the mouth, and I don't mean literally punched in the mouth, but they're going to be you know, hit pretty hard with a bunch of different um, obstacles out there, they're going to have to figure out a way to get past that. Um, I come from, you know, the background of being under uh, Yank Struby, that's out in Middletown, Chad Struby's um, father. Yeah. Um, so he, I learn a lot from Yank Struby. Yank Struby, I, I take his mindset when it comes to wrestling or, you know, being tough with all these young athletes and, I still watch him coach today, and he's just still the same as he was back in the 90s. Um, so I, I, I learn a lot from him, and plus a lot of other coaches that I've worked with in the past as well. But for toughness and to go out there and compete and do not give up, I would say that's uh, one of the mentors uh, you know that I gain that from. But when you step out there, if you don't, do not want to give me 110% or even – you know, hundred percent, you're going to, you're going to hear about it the next day in practice or you're going to get it. Um, I, that's one thing I, I just don't like either too, is if you're going to lay there and just get pinned, I'm not happy. Watch me on the sidelines. I, or I'm just, I'm furious. I, I just do not like it. So. Right. Yeah. Have you had to turn kids away as badly as you need kids in your lineup? Have you had to turn kids away because they're saying you can't give me what, what I need? <laughs> I've never turned a kid away, but, um, I will always, 
I, I, I have had a few that will not give me what I need. They're still, I'm still trying to work with, but you can help, you can direct or guide a young athlete into that uh, mode. It's just t- sometimes it takes um, one longer than the other. So one, you can, will pick it up pretty quickly. Um, some others, it may take a little bit of time, but I won't ever give up on a, on a athlete. Um, I'll just keep working, working, working. And then one day it's going to, it's going to seep through and then they're in, they'll end up becoming what I want them to be, not only for, for myself, but also for life. So, Right. Uh, I'm, I'm curious what your daily schedule is like because uh, uh, coaching is a demanding position. You're, you're, not, doing, you're not doing it for the, for, for the money. You're doing it because no. you love the work for the kids. And uh, do, do you mind if I say what you do? Uh, no. Uh, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you're, you're the, you, you run a Mount Olivet um, so, a Cemetery. So I'm the general manager at Mount Olivet Cemetery. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I have a lot of jobs there. So when you, when you think of um, a cemetery, of course, it's for the, for the, you know, for the deceased, but it's also for the living. So we, we have so many things that's going on nonstop um, at Mount Olivet, not just for sales and, uh, you know, Basically, just what I mean by sales is like we still are an active cemetery. Most people think we're full, but we're not. Um, but you know, we're trying to sell everything. You know, from lots to memorials to um, anything you can think of for the deceased. Um, plus, we also have um, our history part of Mount Olive because you have Francis Scott Key, uh, Governor Thomas Johnson, I um, mean Barbara Fritchie. We can just keep going and going and going. I mean, there's so much history there that. Most people don't even realize that that's there, and there's and, over and forty. Pe- pe- people come just to see the Francis Scott Key well, uh, site, I'm or, sure, or yeah. just a cemetery in general. So there's it's a lot of uh, historical things that go on there it's year in and year out. We have the Friends of Mount Olive group that come in and they volunteer their time to take care of the cemetery. So we're looking at um, a lot of maintenance that goes on um, outside, plus a lot of things that go on inside. Are, so, are you in charge of all of that? Uh, the, 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 the landscaping, the, the grounds, uh, the, the uh, setting up the, um, so, the, the, the sites and stuff like that? So my job is I have people that are in place to do the landscaping. I have people in place to do all of the um, um, setting up for services. Um, plus we have to have people set up on the inside. So when it comes to sales to, um, you know, your receptionist to your historian to everything, I'm in charge of making sure everyone's in their operating spots at all times. So, so, so is it fair to say that you have people to delegate responsibilities to, but if the stuff hits the fan, it's, it's coming back. It's to on you. me. Yes. Right, yeah. So okay. that's, that's how it always works. Of course I have the boss above me, but everything has to hit me before it hits him. So um, it, yes, I have to make sure I'm putting all the pieces in place in order to work. Of course, right now we have our little challenge of snow and ice and, you know, about moving, uh, services from one day to another. Cause we have three services tomorrow. One is going to be moved to Monday, but you know, that's up to the family. We're always open. We always make sure roads, all the site, sites and everything are open no matter what. So, yeah, I, I asked you just as we were uh, about to come on here, is it, is it tough? working at, at, at a cemetery just because death by nature is, is not a cheerful or happy thing. Um, it, it can be tough. Um, you're looking at a lot of different emotions um, when you work into that um, field. A lot of times if you're working outside, you really don't see too much unless you're working with the families the day of the service or if someone walks up and talks to you. Um, you, uh, you, you have to be prepared for whatever's going to be thrown at you. You cannot 
act a certain way or um, come at anyone at a certain way. You have to be very respectful, very um, understanding. Um, you you have to you have to understand that everyone that's that's coming to you has lost someone or is grieve, still grieving, even if it's 10, 15 years um, later. They are still grieving in some sense. So you are the person that's taking care of them and forever. And we have to make sure that your, um, your needs are taken care of no matter how you feel. You can come in happy one day and come in mad the next. We're going to make sure we're still treating you the same way no matter what situation is. Um, but we're always there for everyone. So, uh, how did you get the job at Mount All of it? Um, I was offered the job back in '98. Uh, um, I it's kind of uh, vague about how I got it. Uh, I just got offered. Uh, I just decided to go ahead and take it. Um, well, it was a ground, what, were you, what were you doing beforehand? Just working the ground. Oh, beforehand, um, I was actually working right out of school. Of course, I went and worked for Yank Struby for a little bit, and then I was started um, working in. A landscape field and then I was like you know I'm gonna start going to school again I went back to FCC for a little bit um then one day I got offered the job and I was like okay well I'll it's working the grounds I was like I'm in school uh, it gives me something to do that, and, that was your first job at the cemetery uh, landscaping and stuff yes I was working outside with with the landscaping uh you know basically I turned into doing all the landscape design there you know taking care of all the um, you know, the trees to the bushes to everything you can think of, plus the grass. But, um, and then I started elevating up into the, into the higher ranks. Um, I started working my way up. I think 2006 is when I started working inside, but inside and outside. And then I started using, um, my education more inside than anything. Cause uh, I started, uh, improving the sales field in that area. Um, you know, keeping an eye on the accounting parts and then just, working my way up right how do you manage your time because you because you have that job you're a coach you're a dad uh, uh i'm sure your, your family wants to see you every once in a while so how do you manage the time yeah the um family does want to see uh myself but they know when the uh, season comes around it's going to be tight and everyone's yeah. pretty understanding um i do my best to try to get to see everyone um i mean i have a daughter that's uh 22 uh, you know i see her every once in a while and of course I have uh, my one son, Lucas, that goes to uh, Catoctin High School. He's one of my wrestlers. Um, do, do you live in Thurmont? Or, um... I do not. I live in Williamsport, Maryland. You do? Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, but you have a drive on top of that. So, so good, good chunk of your day is spent driving. So, my morning my morning start, um, I'm usually up around 4.30. I'm usually out the door, um, I want to say, around 5.30, trying to get to work by 6.00. Um, you know, just trying to do my daily routines and sometimes, you know, I gotta, you know, do gotta, I have to take my children back to, you know, Thermont to Catoctin from my house and then get to work. Um, and then, you know, put in my, you know, hours all the way up until two o'clock and then two o'clock I'm heading up to Catoctin high school and getting ready, getting ready for practice at three. Uh, we end around five, five fifteen. sometimes we run the five thirty, and then, you know, I you go know, home, eat dinner. Uh, well, I'd take my 40 minute drive <laughs> home and, um, you know, eat dinner and, and try to try to, uh, you know, get an evening in if I'm not uh, already putting some work in on the computer. Um, but, but what time do you go to bed? Because if you're up at 430, oh, you got to be going to bed pretty early or probably not. Right? I do some yeah. um, most of the you know, weekdays. I'm usually in bed by 830 or okay, so. Yeah. Um, but, you know, match nights, I'm usually not in bed till about. 
10 o'clock, 1030, because adrenaline's still running. Um, yeah. I'm also getting all the information sent into the news post. So I want to get it done by we, 10 we, o'clock. We, we appreciate that. Yes. Um, and also just trying to enter in all the other information into the other uh, pages that I need to enter in for uh, regional reasons for wrestling. But um, I wouldn't have it any other way, honestly. It, it's, you, like, you like to be busy. I love to be busy. That's how I was raised. Um, actually, I, I grew up not too far away from here. Uh, I grew up on a 250-acre farm on Balance Creek Pike. Actually, oh, so worked... you were up milking the cows and stuff. Oh like no, that. it was yeah. actually and no. I really didn't do the I didn't do the cow um the dairy farming. I okay. did beef farming, but uh, <clears throat> okay. But uh, where Tuscarora High School is now, that's where my old farm used to be. Um, so you know, we were always up early, uh, four four thirty, uh, doing our chores, making sure the chores were finished. Uh, went to school. If we, um, you know, of course, I was three um, three star athlete. I did football, wrestling, baseball at, at Frederick High, right? At Frederick High, and yeah. then, and then, um, you know, we had four H. Four H was, uh, you know, we had, you know, we had cattle that we, and we had to take care of. So we had to go do. We had a lot of stuff that we had to do. So um, you, you you don't know any other way. Like this has been your entire life. This uh, uh, yes. just wall to wall activities, some something to do. And, yes, and sometimes whenever I try to find time to take a break, and then I have other people are going, "Hey, you can't take a break right now." I was like, "All right, I guess it's time to go do something if, else." <laughs> if you just, if you just plopped down on the couch and turned on the TV, would you know what to do with yourself? Yes, I would. Um, but then all of a sudden my mind starts working like, I got, hey, I got to be doing something right now. There's something else that could be done. Yes. Right. Yes. Yes. So, so, so you, you don't, you don't sit around and, and watch a lot of TV. On I, that. when I, I, I do get, it, yeah. when I do get an opportunity. Yeah, I do. Um, if there's something good on now, do, if do you like to watch sports or other stuff or do you like to get, um, get away from sports and other stuff? Uh, sometimes I'll get away from sports. Um, I'm big into sci-fi. I like to watch anything that's, you know, yeah. science fiction. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I, I will watch sports. Of course, football's you know huge right now with the playoffs. You, I'm you, kicking in. Are you a Ravens fan or? Um... <laughs> uh, I'm a I'm a big football fan. Um, Ravens, yes, and I'm also a longtime 49er fan. 49er, so. all right. So you're gonna have a big you're gonna have a big Saturday. <laughs> I, I imagine you'll be in front of the TV for, for for a few minutes on Saturday. I will be in. Yes, yes, I will. Yeah. Uh, 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 awesome. Uh, your kids go to Catoctin because you coach there, and, and you, you you want the chance to to coach them. Or your your well, your son Lucas or yeah uh, so yeah. so I mean I've been coaching I try not to coach my kids I want other people to uh, chime in when it comes to coaching um, but it always always they always find a way to get me to coach um, like I said when I was at a baseball game uh, for um, Lucas because Lucas played with um, uh, Jacob Bell on the um, it was one of the uh, Catoctin teams uh, in the youth at that point I believe it was like. 13 14 year old I can't remember um, but when I got a, approached by the by Tim Caslo and uh, Corey Bell now I mean at that point I was like I wasn't trying to coach my kid at all um, but now I'm gonna be in you know gonna be working with Lucas again in um, at Catoctin now remind you Lucas didn't wrestle last year Lucas wrestled his um, freshman year he took his sophomore season off he just didn't he want to do it. He just uh, lost the love of the sport, and I understood it. And I still coached. Um, I have it. You know, I made it. You know, I made a commitment um, to Catoctin High School. So I was there every day, no matter what. Even and, though he, and, and you didn't have a kid in the program. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. So and and of course, when Lucas graduates, um, you know, I still have uh, Parker, which is uh, an eighth grader. He's uh, fourteen, or, or no, sorry, yeah, he'll be fourteen this year. Um, he's not going to wrestle, but. 
he's he's going to be in high school next year, but I'm still going to be coaching for you know a good while because I enjoy working with the with the kids. Right, uh, Lucas came back. He just wanted to give it a shot again. He missed it, or um... um, I never said a word to him. I'll be honest with you, didn't say a word. He just decided he wanted to do it, and I was like, hey, this is on you. I'm not going to make you do anything, and I've never made him do anything. And and he he he's. He's enjoying the year, um, so he's he's doing well. He's doing well this year. So okay, it's part of the reason why you coach is because you can't sit still. <laughs> um, one of the other reasons why I coach so much because there's so many people that are you know right there asking me to do it because I've coached in so many different um, and, and, areas. And you just can't say no. Is it, that is it, that your problem? It's or, hard uh, for me to say no. I enjoy coaching because when I did take a break from coaching. You can see how miserable I was um, with not being involved with some type of a of a sport. Now I don't mind being an assistant. I don't mind doing you know sitting back and letting someone else do what they want to do, and, and which I have done in the past with uh, with youth football. Um, I've sat back and watched, and or you know just did what the head coach wanted wanted me to do. There's times where I would just sit back and want to do that, but when I had nothing to do. No coaching at all. Um, it, you could just see that I, I needed something that's going to get me motivated. And, you know, of course, wrestling, I've, I have a small background in wrestling because I only had so many years into the sport, not compared to baseball or, or uh, football. What, I've had a what, lot was your, of... what was your best sport at Frederick High? Was it wrestling? or? Um... <laughs> Uh, well, my favorite, yeah, my favorite sport at Frederick High, of course, was football. Um, you know, then uh, you know, it was wrestling, baseball. But I was, I've played baseball for sixteen years, and then, or, yeah, no, thirteen years. Sorry, thirteen years. H- had you wrestled before you got to Yanks' room? Or? No, I was only a freshman uh, when I started wrestling, and then, of course, I was in a room full of Frederick County Mac Club um, wrestlers, and they. They did really they be, did. They beat you up, or well, uh, and they, I wouldn't say beat me up. But I would say they taught me. They taught me what I needed um, to be a successful wrestler. And it's hard to come in as a freshman and learn that type of a sport. But if you can go out there and just be able to soak up all that knowledge like a sponge, you. You you can go pretty far. Well, what, and, what made you stay with it? I mean, uh, because it, probably the first day of practice, you're getting tossed around, and you're like, "This is not a lot of um, fun, right?" Well, you know, it's no different than football. Yeah. Um, you're out on a football field. You're gonna get hit. You're gonna you're gonna hit blindsided. And uh, I, I know the game's changed right. now, but um, you're gonna hit the you know hit the ground so many times. You got to pop right back up. I don't mind the contact. Um, the contact to me was, you know, I enjoy it. And yeah, I mean, you don't mind, figuratively speaking, you don't mind getting punched in, no. punched in the face. No, know? I can, I can handle it and keep moving. So that's the only way I, I, I look at things. But um, no, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, yeah, the first year was kind of rocky, but the next year I was out there, you know, giving it everything I got. And plus, like I said, I have a great group of uh, guys out there to learn from. So, uh, you know. We, we, we had a lot of successful years at Frederick High. So. Yeah, right. Well, the success helped, obviously. But did yeah. you actually like like the like the actual physical activity of, of wrestling? Yes. Or there wasn't an acquired taste for you? No, I, lo- I liked it. You, yeah. you did. So, yeah. so, you, so you, like, you like getting out there and mixing it up. It, did it remind you of football in some ways? It or, does. Yeah. yeah. It, I mean, that's, well, that's how I got involved with wrestling. <laughs> right. Um, Andre Jackson, that's the head coach at um, Walkersville. Walkersville. Yeah, right. he, he actually introduced me into the sport. Uh, my freshman year, he's like, I think you would be a good wrestler. And I was you know, playing football for him. And I was like, all right, I'll come out and give it a shot. And I gave it a shot. And 
again, it was all downhill from there, and I enjoyed it. Um, it's no different than, you know, I played outside linebacker for Frederick High, and, and I went out there and was tackling some big guys. It's no different than doing it on the mat. So. Right. Is it sort of surreal to you? I mean, not that you're that old, but but to see Andre Jackson across the mat from you to this day. Yes. To see Yank Struby on the mat across from you to this day. I mean, you're coaching against these guys that got you into the sport. Yes. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Yep. Is, is that a weird feeling, or is, is, is that strange, or um, is it just – Come with the territory. <laughs> um, it's it's not a weird feeling, but I will say that you know I do look up to those guys. Um, they you know they you know they've been huge ambassadors to the sport. Um, but the main thing I want to do is make sure I you know prove to them that you know they they did right by you know teaching me the right things, and I'm trying to do the same thing that they taught. Uh, me to I can teach to the the wrestlers in my room and it doesn't matter what room it is and when we I want to make sure every athlete in this county um you know gets a fair shake at, at you know at wrestling so how did you get into coaching oh geez um I would say I got into coaching uh, back in 2009 I was uh playing football for the um, semi-pro um, Frederick Outlaws. And, uh, you know, they, of course, they started back in 2004. I jumped in around 2005. You were a linebacker for the Outlaws? I played or, linebacker. Yeah. I played safety a little bit, but a linebacker. And then uh, one year, I want to say I – Now, you, you wanted to keep the football dream going, or you just wanted to – you just missed playing football? Oh, or, I just missed play, I just yeah. miss playing a sport, but miss playing football in general. And then, of yeah. course, when you have an organization that was uh, that good – and it was right there in my back door. Why not just go ahead and play? And, uh, you know, I was still in great shape. I was keeping myself in shape. Um, I enjoyed the sport. Uh, I met a lot of great guys on the, on the team that, you know, that because you do miss that camaraderie in the locker room. A lot of times when you leave, um, you know, certain places, especially with um, high school. And I know in the college atmosphere, you, you, you miss that as well. Um, but when, you know, when I – Saw the opportunity, I took it. Um, but then when, uh, you know, I had a really bad head injury, I want to say 2008, and I decided to hang it up at that point. And uh, I got offered the job, the head coaching job with uh, the Frederick Outlaws. Well, let me stop you there. Why is everyone offering you all these coaching jobs? What is it about <laughs> you that everyone sees you and offers you a coaching job? I don't know if it's the the leadership um aspect or the the hard work or you know my drive for um being excellent you know being excellent at it yeah. at whatever type of sport you gotta think i've only plus you're willing I, you're willing to do it too like you yes, say i'm yeah. willing i'm willing to put in the work uh when i do put in the work it's um always at a you know you know i i put over 150 percent into that um Again, I don't have any downtime whenever it comes to putting this work in, especially with football on that level. You were always watching film. Um, you're always getting film. You had to go take at that time. You had to go set up, you know, all kinds of uh, video cameras just to get film in order to succeed and try to be ready for the next opponent. Of course, the next opponent could be in Delaware, could be in Pennsylvania, could be in Virginia. So you had to drive to all those places. So, but again, that's no, very, very dedicated. But, but, but you like this, like this, yes. you like this lifestyle that this on the move, busy yeah. lifestyle. So that wasn't a problem for no, you. That was not a problem for me. No, not at all. Okay. 
so and it was a way to keep you involved, right? Uh, helping to coach the outlaws. Yeah, he kept me involved with uh, the community. Well, were you the head coach or an assistant? Or, um, no, uh, I just went straight to head coach. Um, you know, of course, well, brought in some assistants um, that so, were. So, so there was no learning curve whatsoever. It's not like <laughs> let me let me give you this job to see if you like coaching or can do it. It was like, hey, you're that you're in charge now. Yes, and of course, when you were given that job uh, or the of the outlaws, of course we. I want to say the two seasons I I coached, I went 24 and one, but I had a great assistants around me, a great coordinators around me to help me transition. So you were a great coach right from the start, well, or did you have a great team? Or, I had or, or, well, bo- or both. We had a great team, but like I said, we had really good assistants around me as well. So we had some really high uh, quality uh, assistants. Owner was very great as um, Chuck Benall. He was the owner of the team, and he. He was great to help me out into that transition of coaching. He he was helping me big time with that, trying to make a little bit of decisions on things because sometimes you kind of get stumped. It's not like I was taught how to do all this. But, again, I had great coordinators around me, had a great group of athletes. Gosh, these guys were just amazing. And, and you knew all these guys, yes. too, from, from playing and well, stuff. A lot of them were from, from the area. Uh, you know, we had about half of the team from the area. You have some teams from – uh, you know, Rundle County, some from uh, Montgomery County, uh, you know, D.C. area. You had some team, some of these players driving all the way up from D.C. I mean, these guys were dedicated. We were practicing right here in Frederick. So it, it where was, was McCurdy or where were you practicing? Uh, we were practicing uh, a lot of times when we first started. It was at, um, you know, MSD, Maryland School of the Deaf. Of the Deaf. Um, we found some uh, other areas uh, that we could practice at here. Uh, Boundary, um, Boundary Creek Park. Uh, we found some other high schools we can work at at certain times. Um, and then we, st- you know, sometimes we went to Montgomery County and kind of had some practices in that area. Um, but a lot of times it was in Frederick. But again, we had a great group of guys, and it, it was an easy transition for me. So, so, so after twenty four and one, were you like, hey, coaching? This is this is easy. Like like <laughs> like 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 like, like, give, like give me a challenge. Like uh, were you were you surprised at how good you were as a coach? <laughs> uh, it, it was it was. It was surprising. It was a challenge um, because, I, but then again, I had a lot of pieces in place um, that the the team had already built. Um, I was already a part of all that. I had a I had an understanding of every single athlete on that team. Because um, you, you were learning on the fly yeah, too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I I just I just ran with it, and you can't sit there and th- overthink and try to, you know think you can do this better or do that better I mean I had some great pieces in place um, but then again that's where I, I initially started coaching um, you know and then it, it basically went up uh, up from there so yeah I'm, I'm gonna ask you about your next stop uh, in a minute, cause I think I think there'll be a lot of intrigue about that I mean I, yeah. I, I, I was certainly intrigued when I heard it yeah. but but yeah you, you don't strike me as a guy that overthinks things I mean you, you're a doer not a thinker is, is correct that fair, is that fair to say correct there's no, it's just like wrestling. It's it's hard to. I try to tell a lot of these um, young athletes try not to think too much. Uh, let the the situation come to you. Like if it's gonna be there, take it. Don't overthink something that's not there, or you're trying to do something, or trying to make it harder on yourself. Don't overthink. Just go out there and react with what the opportunities, with whatever op- opportunities in front of you. Yeah. So. Uh, with that said, do you try not to pre-visualize things too no, much? No, yeah. I, I try you, not to. You, you don't want to think about like what this is going to be like. You just you just go out there and let let it happen. Right? There's times I will. Yeah. Uh, there's times I will um, pre-vision on certain things, but it's, it doesn't get me anywhere. So it's just like I, I right. you know, it, now if I know that we're 
you know, going to be setting up or a certain lineup for a certain night, then yeah, I want to prevision some stuff. But then again, it's like, yeah, let's just go with my gut feeling. My gut feeling usually, um, you know, sends me in the right direction when it comes to a sports decision. Right. Decision. How did you learn that thinking and over analysis was sort of a waste of, waste of time? <laughs> well, when you have to, you know, especially with football, you only have a certain amount of seconds to, to get the next play in or uh, get the next uh, defensive call in. So you, you don't have much time to think. You have to go with the, what's given in front of you. So you have to think on the fly. And a lot of times, and I have another story on that, but, um, you know, a lot of times we have to uh, just make quick decisions in order to be successful. Hey, if hey, you hey, overthink hey. it, you're going you're gonna to add too much to it. And when you add too much to it, you're taking away from the opportunity that's already presented. And so. you've been able to apply that to the other areas of your, your life, it seems. Correct, yes. yes. Right, and, and, and it had a lot of success as a result. All right, your next stop. Tell everyone where you, where, where you coach next. <laughs> so I got offered the uh, – after, you know, I was with the Frederick Outlaws, and then I had a, a group of uh, individuals come and uh, talk to me about joining, becoming the head coach for the uh, – the lingerie football league, the Baltimore charm. And I was with them for three years. Um, you know, with, they were, you know, impressed with the success we had, I had with a short period of time with the uh, outlaws. So I decided to join the team. Yes. Coach. Were, were you the first, were you the first and only coach of the charm? Uh, well, I'm the first coach of the charm, not the last one. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, it, the, the last coach of the Baltimore charm was Gary Clark. Gary Clark took my job, which is the uh, former Redskin. Um, but, uh, I was, you know, Gary Clark was, man, was probably like, man, I have some big shoes to fill here. <laughs> <laughs> he, I don't, I doubt he was saying that, but, um, but, uh, I was with the team for three years. Um, now that was a challenge. That was the biggest challenge. Um, you know, coaching, uh, female, um, football players that's never played football ever. Um, a lot of them were, uh, soccer players, uh, basketball players, um, you know, they, they played a lot of other sports before they, or some of them didn't even play a sport at all. They wanted to give it a shot. And some of them were actually very successful. Um, I actually had, uh, one, uh, uh, athlete on my team the second year, she ended up becoming the MVP of the league. Um, and she was a, uh, division. Was Mark, div- was, was Mark Rippon's daughter on your team? Yes. Angela was on the team for a short stint. Um, she was with, well, she was with me for a, sh- a short period of time. She came in my last year. Um, and then, uh, but I got to meet Mark. Mark was amazing. Um, you know, she, she was um, fun to work with, but yeah, that, it, that was a, definitely a challenge. We, you know, we weren't too, too successful. Um, I had some losing seasons, but, um, it, it that's a hard thing to do is it, like I said, with the other pieces I had in place with the other teams, it was very easier for me. But when you have to start from basically square one and try to find athletes in the Maryland area, and a lot of times they came from Maryland, Virginia, Pennsylvania, Delaware, they were coming from all over and it was hard and it, 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 it was, it was a hard challenge, but you know, I ended up enjoying the challenge just because, um, it was it's something that I like, you know. Yeah. Okay. Lot, lot, lots of questions here. Yeah. When you were approached to coach a lingerie football team, did you? Was your first thought, "Is this a serious offer?" 
Yes, that's the first thing I thought of was like, you know, is this real? Like, uh, I didn't even know what I was actually getting myself into. Had you even heard of lingerie football? I before? never heard of it before, and then I kind of looked into it. And once I looked into it, I was like, no, I'll give it a shot. Um, what what can I lose on that? Um, so okay, but were, were you married? Were you married? No, uh, no, not you, a. You you were a single guy. Okay. Yeah, I was a single guy at the right. time. Yeah. So I I just went ahead and said, you know what, I'm gonna give it a shot, and. When I gave it a shot, I got offered to go to the uh, First Mariner Arena at the time. I'm not sure what the arena is called now, but Royal Farms. Royal or Farms. Like that. Okay, yeah. so I got offered to go there. I met with the owner of the league, um, and we had a tryout. Um, there was a couple other coaches there, and basically, I ended up getting the job. And well, by the like end of when, the day, when, he, when he told people, "I'm now the head coach of the bo- <laughs> lingerie," were, were, were your were your buddies? Were they like back slapping you? I mean, like, what were you thinking? Like, we're uh, uh, coaching a lingerie football team. Let's just or, say, did you, did you think it was like the greatest job ever uh, when you first heard about it, or <laughs> just, what was going through your head? That's what I'm curious well, about. When when this was all happening? Well, I don't I don't know if it was a, um, when I I don't in my mindset it wasn't the you know as in hey this is probably the greatest job ever I I. I jumped into it and I was like, you know, I'm a I'm a now coach in a, you know, a professional level and, you know, get to, you know, do a lot of different things that I couldn't do with um being here with the Outlaws. Um I got to travel more, uh, but I'll tell you what, everyone that I told, every guy wanted to be either the water boy or the of towel course. guy. They were like <laughs> they were trying to become my best friend to join the team. I'm like I, I can't do that because you know you have to um, have a lot of respect um, when you're coaching that uh, coaching these ladies right. as well. It's so. not just bringing in your buddies. And, yeah, and, yeah. And, yeah, right. But but I mean, we're, you're like eyes. Pop. I mean, I, I don't know what practices were like or what they were wearing during <laughs> practices, but were your like sort of eyes popping out of your head uh, the, the, the first game you coached, or um, just what? what well, uh, again, what was running through your mind when I go through uh, when I go through coaching? Uh, None of that other uh, stuff is is there. It's I'm in coach mode. Um, and, even, yeah. even when there's an attractive gal uh, not not wearing very much, you, you're in coach mode. That is correct. I was in coach mode the whole time. Um, Did, were you yeah. trying to force yourself into coach mode uh, to to avoid all that all that all that extra stuff? Or um, well, once you here's the thing. We had practices. I want to say we practice actually at um, the. Sportsplex. Um, it's and, I know it's sold now. Here in yeah. Frederick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We practice there for two years, and when you got to practice uh, every day, or I would say about, they, they, we, and they weren't wearing like scantily clad no, uniforms no. in practice and stuff. No, none of that. They didn't wear uniforms till uh, actually the day of the of the game. But you know, always wore athletic gear. They were always ready to go for practice. We practiced three days a week because we went from Friday, Saturday, Sunday practicing. Um, and then, uh, you know, once you got that relationship, you got that understanding, you got the respect, you, um, you know, you, you just, you're just automatically in coach mode. You want to go into that winning, um, idea, you know, getting out there, preparing a team to actually be on camera. And at that time we were on MTV too, at that time, and we were on camera nonstop. So I didn't want to be an embarrassment. Um, so we had to give everything we had. I mean, we, we did get embarrassed a couple of times, but, there's nothing uh, we could do about that against other experienced teams, but did you think though when, when when you have a bunch of attractive gals that are playing for you and not, not wearing very much again, did you think like man, this is this truly is the greatest job ever, it, it, or I have died and gone to football it, lingerie football heaven here? Um, it, I know I, you know, well, yeah, I had a good job. I had I was in a great spot, 
Um, it it was one of uh one of the jobs I no, I wouldn't say that job. I I would like to coach in you know the a more a different pro level, but uh you know I was like, hey, I'll t- I'll take this. But I I was actually you know happy w- with the position I had. Um, you know we you know, it was a it was a dream come true to to be on national television to go through those tunnels to uh have uh you know a arena full of people lights go but, out but no one's you know. no one's there to see you though coach Rieger, i know that so. but it's my own thought that uh you know when i was in those areas and that's something i never got to experience until i became a coach but yeah no one was there to see me i can care less about that um but i just enjoyed the coaching um opportunity so okay uh, but but you're a coach. You're serious about sports. Like, how much of the selling point of this was football, or how much of it was it getting uh, a bunch of attractive gals on the screen, not not well, wearing, not not wearing very much during the well for the fans. The fans weren't really there for football. You know, they were there for the attractive females, of course. Um, but you you would have a handful that's there for football. Um, but I was always there for football, so that's that's how I looked. You at were, it. you yes. were. <clears throat> But but were you worried that your priorities weren't going to line up? Because or, or I, I should ask, like, how many of your players were there for football? How many of them wanted to play football, or how many of them wanted to sort of just uh, um, s- sort of create a, a opportunity for themselves by showcasing their well, their, I would, their, their their talents? I would say half the say. team. Yeah. We, you have twenty. Uh, 20 female female athletes on the team there you're going to have half of them that want to play and then half of them that want the exposure right they want to be on the calendars they want to be in the books uh as in the the magazines they right. want to be on all the news um all the um highlight shows they want to be uh i want to say on the fantasy teams um which are the all-star teams you know they they wanted to but you you know, sometimes when you made those fantasy teams, uh, you didn't, you weren't the best football player. You were probably one of the most attractive ones. But they, um, they were all. A lot of them were out there to get the limelight, um, but some of them were out there just to play the game. And that's why my MVP that we had, Kyle DeHaven. Uh, I know she has a different last name now. I had, I'm not 100 percent sure what it is now, but she was there to play football, and she ended up. You know, she didn't care about any of the other stuff. She didn't care about the photo shoot. She didn't care about any of that other uh, stuff that they added in for pregame. Um, but she was there just to play play ball. So. Did those types of players and did you being in coach mode? Did they clash with the people that were there for the publicity? Yes, yes. You, you yeah, did, yeah, yeah. And that was a challenge too. Uh, you know, you got to think when you have um, twenty uh, female athletes on the team, it's 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 very hard to maintain uh, control. It's, um, you know, trying to have a controlled environment for practice, um, for meetings, um, you know, just basically trying to get them all on the same page. It's, it's very tough, but, you know, it was a, it was a learning um, tool for myself when, it, when I got older into coaching and to other um, levels and leagues. How, how did you feel about the football you were putting on the field in the, in the lingerie football league? It, it, was, it was getting better year in and year out because you had people that were more experienced. Um, you know, uh, working with the coaches I had, had some uh, really good assistant coaches there, um, and they were really putting together some good game plans for the uh, field. Um, but then, uh, you know, just, you know, it's just hard to get, keep um, athletes coming back because one of the biggest uh, injuries you can get in laundry football is being pregnant. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so you, <laughs> right. you lose some of the pregnancy, you got to get new players coming in. So it, it is tough. So Right. Did you and some of the more serious players have to set some ground rules and guidelines for the players that were more there for the 
the, the, the showmanship and the publicity. Like, hey, we need at least this level of effort or this level of dedication toward the actual football side of it. So basically, if you didn't, you know, give us that effort, you really didn't start much. Um, you know, of course, you're going to get your picture taken and have all that. That's what they do pregame. They did do pregame. I don't know what the league is doing now. But, uh, you know, we – you would you would get a lot of playing time if you were there to play, but if you were just there for the um, photo shoots and everything else, you didn't get much time. Okay, so. well, were you pressured to play players because yes. of the way they looked? We were pressured, um, but that's where you start the battle with ownership and everything else. And it, you know that's the hard part about those type of types of games. But you're asking me to put the best uh, players on the field, um, not the prettiest, and. When you tell me to do something and something else, then guess what? Uh, you're not going to get a good team on the field. So right. sometimes yeah. when you're forced and you're saying, "Hey, put this so and so on," okay, here it is, and then you they get embarrassed and goes. Because you were there for the football. You're there to win games. Yeah. You're, you're you're not there for the photos. No, I'm not. No. Right. No. Okay. I hated uh, I hated all green <clears throat> all the green screen stuff that they had us do. I hated it, but right. I had to do it though. Uh, how long did you coach uh, the Baltimore Charm? For three years. For three years. Yeah. And what what did you what was your takeaway after three years of coaching lingerie football? Oh, it was a great experience. Um, you know, again, I got to meet a lot of great people. Um, I traveled to Mexico to Toronto. I got to coach in Toronto, uh, the new um, Toronto uh, team there. Uh, I spent about a week and a half, almost two weeks there coaching their team before they were even getting ready to step out on the field. Um, had a great experience working in those different countries, especially Mexico. Mexico was another one. Um, you know, I was there for about a week or two for, I'm going to say about a week uh, for the all-star game. Uh, but then I, I got to meet, uh, you know, work with a lot of great coaches um, throughout the throughout the country, um, we all got together um, in Vegas uh, when we had to go to uh, the award ceremony, and it was amazing just to meet everyone and a lot of ex NFL football players. I can't name their names at this point. Um, I just remember who they played for because uh, there was a lot of ex um, NFL football players coaching in the league, um, and then you know. It was just a great – I mean, I just loved everything about it. It was a great experience. I, I can't say anything bad about it. So. Okay. Two more questions because we're up against an hour here, and, and okay. I, I, I got to let you go. Um, how do people react when they see that on your resume? Uh, Well, I mean, when I let the uh, AD at Catoctin know that I coached there, he's like, hey, uh, are you interested in taking over the flag uh, football <laughs> team, uh, you know, that we're starting here soon? And uh, They won't be wearing lingerie. No, I know. And, and I, I told him, I was like, look, I would let, I would love to coach, but it's just uh, too too time-consuming for myself. I know what for, um, football is, and, you know, wrestling's, you know, pushing it now. But, uh, you know, I, I, really, I really need to um, – uh, spend a little bit more time at home with the kids and all, and uh, you know, it's just no. But 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 like, dude, you get like, hey, that's the coolest job ever. Yeah. Hey, you're, hey, you're the man when, I, when they see that on your resume. I or, would say uh, that, and you, you know, of course, it, it's like, hey, how the first question, how'd you get into that job? Right. You know, it's just one uh, of those it was things through yeah. the outlaw, your con- yeah. outlaws connections. Yes. Right? Yeah. And I and it, you know, I, I get, I'm very thankful for the opportunities that the outlaws gave to me, and then gave you know. Also getting that uh, the the charm job and 
And of course, whenever uh, people he- finally hear that I coach for them, they're like, they just look at me a little funny, like, huh, you actually did that? But you do get some different reactions. Um, but I, I actually had a gentleman the other day, um, weird story. I was out um, working, uh, doing some research out in the cemetery and a gentleman came up and he wanted to get his stone cleaned. And uh, I was like, I was like, all right, well, I have to have you go to the office. Um, let him know that, you know, I told him my name, tell him that Rick said, he looked at me, he goes, you coached the Baltimore charm, <laughs> didn't you? I was like, I was like, how'd you know? He goes, I know your name and uh, I, he was I watching, know your he face. Was, he was watching on MTV too. <laughs> he, he, he was watching. So it's it just weird. Um, you're looking at it. What? 20 i mean uh, 10 years later and you got someone still recognizing you from that so it is interesting you do get a lot of different things but yeah it 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 it, 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 it was just fun well why 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 did you give up the job and were you were you ready to hand things over to gary clark or? uh well um i was let go um i was let go from the job you, because you, well, well, you weren't winning enough games <laughs> or you weren't playing the right players or well or, or, i would or both or? i would just leave it at that i was let go so okay. i'll right. leave it at that and gotcha. then uh, gary was the next person to come in and uh you know gary did a good job uh, but i know the team didn't last too much longer after that um were, but were you sort of glad you walked away when you walked yes, away yes yes i did yes i did <clears throat> okay yeah. um and you, we were talking earlier about working with female wrestlers mm-hmm. um were you able to i mean I, I'm, not, I'm not making light of the lingerie situation here but were you able to fall, draw back on your experience there yes yes uh, well, when it came to coaching some of the girls that could talk to yes so um you just got to know one with with coaching female wrestlers and same with you know, coaching uh female uh, football players, if they do not know the sport, you have to approach it a certain way. Um, I can go after um, because you got to look at different emotions when you go after. Um, and I don't want to sound you know biased or anything or sound a certain way, but um, whenever I go after a male wrestler, I go after him in a different mindset. I go after him in a different way of like, hey, I'm I'm going after him in a tough fashion. Um, sometimes you got to read your female athlete to see if they can handle that tough action. If they can't, you got to teach in a different way, which coaching in that league actually helped me understand the different emotions and a different way to coach, um, female athletes, but some can take it. Some just cannot, but you just have to adjust. Yeah. Cause it struck me cause you were saying like, how do I work with these I, we have girl wrestlers coming out for the yeah. team now. How, how do I work with them? And it seems like you were able to draw upon your, uh, previous work coaching uh, correct the, the, the charm correct yeah. and, the, and the main um thing that i had to look at with um you know the wrestling aspect with the you know girl wrestling because you know you you can't be hands-on as a male as a male coach you can right. you cannot <clears throat> and uh you know you have to find a way to teach them without you know being hands-on and that's just the thing most coaches um, majority of all your coaches are hands-on um coaches in, in wrestling and the only way to actually show someone is be hands-on. And in my way, I, I had to figure out a way of not being hands-on, but also letting them understand that they can still do certain things if they put their mind to it. So, uh, Did you have female assistants with the charm? or um, No, I did not. I wanted um, some, but they all wanted to play. So Okay. okay. Yeah. So, so again, it was a bit of a challenge being able to relate to these gals, Correct, right? yeah, correct, okay. yeah. 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 Well, we could do a whole hour podcast just on your <laughs> Baltimore charm career alone, Coach Reader, yeah. but, but yeah. I do appreciate you coming in. 
I wish you and your team could talk very well, and it's been a pleasure having you on. No, I appreciate you having me here, Greg. I appreciate it. <clears throat> uh, all right. Uh, that'll do it uh, this week for us here on The Final Score. Thanks to Graham Cullen uh, for producing, uh, Alexander Dacey and John Cannon, my colleagues here, for coming on and talking Frederick County Sports. I don't know if we can top the Baltimore Charm stories next week, but we'll give it a shot. Uh, so have a great week, everyone, and we'll see you back here next week on The Final Score Podcast. Yeah.